Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Here's what's on the lineup today. From Modern Family, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. You uh, know him as Mitchell. Mitchell Pritchett? Mitchell Pritchett, yes. I know, don't say that too fast. (laughs) On uh, Modern Family, one of my favorite shows. Anybody else watch it? You don't watch Uh, it, Dr. Debbie. No. I love it. (laughs) I think I would like it if I did watch it. It sounds really cool. It just conflicts with uh, America's favorite brides or something like that. (laughs) Model brides. No, wasn't it tap dancing moms who do game shows on weekends or something? (laughs) (laughs) What do you say we head to the phones for your calls right now? You can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and Black Barry, it's a free download thanks to those folks over at Doctors Foster and Smith. So go download it now. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Well, you know, service dogs are huge these days. They're they're used for everything. Yep. And I'm going to tell you a, a few things that they're being used for now that you're going to go, yeah, they are being used for everything. It, it's just amazing the new jobs that they are finding for dogs. Don't you know it? Okay. You know, my neighbor has one of those seizure alert dogs. That, uh, really? Whenever, yes. Whenever they're about to have a seizure, the dog will go absolutely ballistic. They just smell the chemical I think it's, change. I think it's some kind of chemical breath or something. change yeah. that they smell. Yeah. Uh, so we'll learn more about that in just a few minutes with Lori Brooks right here on Animal Radio. Well, hello, Jan. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Where are you today? I'm in Vernon, Texas. Vernon, Texas. What side of Texas is that? Which side of Texas? It's close to Wichita Falls. Is that where you live? <laughs> We're on the border. We, we live out in the country. Okay. Well, I have Dr. Debbie here. I hope everything's okay with your pets. What's going on? Um, we, let's see, she's about three years old. We've taken her to the vet quite a few times. They had her on antibiotics, two rounds. And her skin would be inflamed. Jan, Jan I'm going to back up. This is a dog we're talking about? Yeah, I yes. didn't catch that. Chihuahua. I wasn't sure. Okay, what kind of dog? How old? Three years old in Chihuahua. A Chihuahua. Awesome. Okay, so what do you got going on with your baby there? Uh, she's inflamed. Her skin is, and she scratches a lot. And they put her on two rounds of antibiotics. Um, she had an odor, and he ended up cleaning her teeth. And then... Um, that seemed to help, but then their skin got inflamed again, and she's still scratching. Um, mm-hmm. We have okay. a, a antifungal shampoo that we used for several months, and I don't know that it helped, but he gave her two different allergy shots, and that kind of helped on the itching, you know, the scratching and all. But it's kind of like she's done all that, and she's still having problems, so I don't know if we need to get blood work done or what we need to do. Okay, yeah. Now, and you're, you're describing that she's, at the time that she's itchy, does she also smell at the same time? Yes, and her, her hair will get oily if you don't bathe her at least twice a week. Okay, yeah. And, and definitely, I'd say here, you know, blood work might be useful to see if we've got any potential um, hormonal problems like a thyroid problem or other health issues going on. Um, but when I pick up an odor, and a lot of times when a dog has just a 
I don't want to say stank, but yeah, when they have a stank to them, um, and they're actually having itching, scratching, all of those type of signs, there's a lot we can do by looking into the skin surface. So um, I'll take a slide, look under the microscope, see what kind of critters we might have growing. Because a lot of times, if we're picking up a smelly odor and we've got some redness on the skin, it's very possible we have some infection, whether it's yeast, bacteria, or what have you. So when you said you're using an antifungal shampoo, um, that makes me wonder if they were concerned that maybe she did have something like a yeast infection, which can be yeasty and stinky and smelly. And if, if anyone knows what a, an infected ear smells like when it has a yeast problem, dogs can get this all over their body anywhere. Um, so it can really produce a pretty potent smell. So that might be something that I'd be looking at doing is check for yeast on the skin. And if possible, we may need to get her on an oral um, anti-yeast medicine. Um, but I definitely like the idea of checking blood work. The other thing I would definitely, definitely look into doing is getting her on a hypoallergenic diet because a lot of these skin problems, allergies, infections, they can be rooted where a pet has a problem with a sensitivity to certain pr proteins or ingredients in the food. And that kind of starts the whole cascade of itch, redness, infection, itch, redness, infection, and it goes on and on. So if we can get to the heart of it with a hypoallergenic diet, you can go a long way there to make her more comfortable. And well, we had her on as... the wellness, the wellness dog food, and then and that was supposed to be an allergy type dog food. Then we switched her, and she's on potato and duck, and she's been on that okay. for like six months. And okay, that's so I don't know where to go after that. Yeah, I mean, and if you've tried a couple avenues down that road, um, there are different ways that we can go at food allergy. So you were kind of trying what's called the novel protein approach to food allergies. We can go to a hydrolyzed protein diet, and there are some really good ones out there. Uh, Purina makes one, uh, Science Diet makes one, Royal Canin makes one, I believe, um, where they're actually, the proteins of the food are go through a special process so that they kind of trick the pet's immune system so that they can still eat the chicken protein, if you will, and not show an allergic sign to it. So that would be one thing you could do, but it's a hydrolyzed protein uh, that you might want to look into that with your veterinarian. And then really, okay. I'd say you know, the, the heart of it is to get a sample from the skin. And I, you know, I know Hal always says, I like to look at the gross things, the ooey things, the gross <laughs> stuff on the microscope, but it really can, to empower your veterinarian to really work with you to try to find the the right steps, the right solution, and the right medicines or shampoos, because that makes a big difference. So commonly I hear people getting upset, oh my God, I spent $200 at the vet and you didn't do anything for me. Well, sometimes if we don't have the right direction and we're not given that lead of which, which path we're going down, we can spend money pretty easily for you, but it may not be in your pet's best interest or might not be the most effective. So definitely it's well worth looking into those simple skin tests that your vet can do, and I'd encourage you that way. Okay. So hopefully we'll get your baby so that we're not getting that smelling and, and so forth and uh, feeling good there. Because this is a rough time of the year. All these pets are out there scratching and itching. So yeah, I know. It seems like one out of every five calls right now is about uh, allergies or something is. this it's time of year. such a big time. Yeah. So you're not alone. We're all there with you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your call. one 405 8405 Hi, Cheryl. Hi. What's going on with your animals? I have a uh, nine-year-old Jack Russell Terrier that gets carsick. Um, she's a real timid little dog, and she gets really nervous in the car. And took her on a trip to try it out. Um, it was about a two and a half hour long trip, and she threw up the whole way um, there. Oh, and then on the way back, she was exhausted, so she slept. But the problem is, we were going to go on a vacation for about four days, 
And in the past, we had another dog that we had to put down a couple months ago, and we would just leave them both at home and have someone come in and take care of them uh, several times a day, and that worked out fine, but we really didn't want to leave her alone, and she's never really been kenneled. So I guess my question is, is there anything you can do for the car sickness? I believe it's caused by her getting really nervous. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are things we can do for pets that have this problem. Um, but you brought up a kind of a good point there is that for some pets, it's truly a motion sickness problem. But for others, it's really more of an anxiety driven uh, problem. And, uh, you know, we can treat for motion sickness, but if they've got anxiety or fear for car travel, then it doesn't necessarily um, help them. So um, the first thing is to really kind of figure out which situation it is. If if the sight of your car or just sitting in the car gets your dog salivating and gets them worked up, then we might be dealing more with an anxiety problem than if they're happy-go-lucky, they're in the car for a while, and then they get sick, um, that might be more of a motion sickness. So um, first thing is really the main way to treat this is to tr- really condition the pet for car travel. So that's basically going to mean that we're going to slowly work up to exposures in the car and preferably not take them for that two-hour car ride until they are actually um, acclimated to the car. So we want to start really baby steps. So we get them maybe close to the car. We treat them. We give them goodies. We make it a pleasant experience. Then we work up to opening the car door, making them sit in the car seat, um, coming back out, and then gradually turning on the car with a pet in it to actually going down the driveway. And as we do this, we're only doing little steps. So if at any point the pet shows fear, anxiety, or or get sick to their stomach, we stop because we're not going to win anything by trying to battle through it. We want to make it short, good exposures and make that car become a great thing that they become accustomed to. So that's how we work through that aspect. And eventually we build up to longer and longer exposures within the car. Now, to do that, you might need some other tools to help you. And uh, there's some kind of natural steps we might try. And then there's going to be also some different types of medications that we can look at. So um, if we're looking at a pet that has true motion sickness, I'm going to go for more like Dramamine or a drug called Serenia. Um, Both of those, you can talk to your veterinarian about the right doses. And they can be helpful for a lot of pets with car travel. But beyond that, some kind of natural things that I like to use. Um, I'm a fan of the doggy pheromones, um, those scent hormones that have a calming effect on the pet. Mm-hmm. We can use those in preferably a collar format to help them through some of these nervous and anxious uh, times. Um, that would be helpful. Um, some folks also like to use ginger for car travel, um, and we can give that to our pets as well um, to help uh, kind of ease their stomach with uh, car sickness. And then just some of the basic things. Um, which you may have figured some of this out. A lot of people don't know that when we travel with our pets, they're just like us. If we face forward, we're better off. Um, And dogs and cats that are restraining carriers or in a seatbelt are less apt to have a problem because they're They've got their world controlled. They're not seeing as much going on around them. And um, they are a little bit more controlled in their world. So those are good things. And, of course, we don't want to feed them right before you get into the car or you're going to have a mess on your hands. And it'll take a little work, but you can do it. Um, It helps if the pet is already crate or kennel trained for getting them used to car travel. But it doesn't have to be that way. So it really just takes a lot of commitment. A little bit of time and, um, you know, really just working on that positive reinforcement with um, kind of every step you go. 
never thought about the kennel. I'll try that, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Good luck, Cheryl. Okay. This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Bar Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You could learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Uh, Looking out the studio windows, it looks like another summer thunderstorm is going to happen here. And, uh, of course, when it rains like this, You know, sometimes I like running out in the rain, but I like curling up with a good book. Oh, definitely. With my dog at my side, Mm -hmm. preferably. Or your cat. And especially... you're a cat guy. I am a cat guy, so I'll have a cat on one (laughs) side and a dog on the other side, usually. And uh, a good book, like, I like a mystery book. And uh, a mystery book, especially if it includes animals or dogs. Oh, yes. Even better. Mm-hmm. Joining us right now is author Lorian Berenson. She's the author of Bite Club, which is actually the 23rd installment in her uh, mystery series. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I got to ask, first of all, do you have any dogs? Oh, of course. Are they muses for you? Always, I think. I mean, I love living with dogs. And, and since dogs really permeate my series, a lot of what I write about is based on my own dog's personalities, behavior, and the ways that they respond to me. I mean, that has really become a part of the series. Oh, tell us about your dogs. At the moment, I have two smooth collies. I had My series really features poodles, uh, most of it, and I bred and showed poodles for 20 years. And then I just really needed a break from grooming, and now I have two smooth collies, and they are absolutely wonderful, totally different from poodles, and just terrific dogs to live with, just so smart, and so much fun to be around, and entertaining. Why is it that you include your dogs and dogs in general in all of your mysteries? When I wrote the first book in the series, which was actually 20 years ago, at that point, I was breeding and showing poodles, and... I had always wanted to write a cozy mystery, and the first one, A Pedigree to Die For, was set in the dog show background, and I just thought, dog show people, you know, they really want to win. I thought this was just, well, you know, I thought it would be sort of a fun and entertaining backdrop and a place that people, many people aren't that aware of. Maybe they watch Westminster on TV or, you know, another one of the big dog shows, but they don't really know about what goes on behind the scenes. And so it was something I was doing, and I was very familiar with it, and I just thought it would be a lot of fun to use it as a background. So what does go on behind the scenes of (laughs) of these dog shows? You know, there have been instances of things happening to dogs by people who didn't want to get beaten, and sometimes maybe a dog loses some hair that it needed to go in the ring. Things come up. So, I mean, mostly dog shows are very benign and a whole lot of fun. 
but I take sort of the worst element and capitalize on it. Well, sure. We look at the Olympics, and that's supposed to be a lot of fun, but we see everything from steroids to the, what was the Tanya Harding yeah. incident. Yeah. That kind of stuff really goes on, huh? It, oh, it does, because people care. I mean, they really care. It's, it's hard work to breed a good dog. I mean, the, you know, you, you look at the pedigree, and you look at the physical of the dog, and you look at the entire history of the family and what it's produced, and you need a really good temperament, which a lot of people don't think about when they look at dog shows and they say, oh, it's just foo-foo dogs, and all they do is trot around the ring looking pretty. But the dog has to have a good temperament to want to do that, you know, to, to want to show well, to be calm enough to you know, sit on the table and be groomed for a long time. And generally speaking, the dogs enjoy it because it's a lot of attention coming their way. So, but once you've put in all that time and all that effort, you know, you're there, you're at the dog show for a purpose. You're hoping to pick up points towards your championship, usually. Uh, So your books, and I got to say, I just cracked open the last book and I have not... Now I want to go back to the first in the series. Just I feel like I've started late in the series because I just discovered you. I know the books are fiction, but is there anything that's really maybe not fiction? Well, interestingly enough, there's one character in the series. Uh, her name is Aunt Peg, and she the main character is Melanie Travis, but Aunt Peg is the woman who breeds and shows standard poodles and actually gets Melanie involved in the dog show world initially in the first book. And she's a little bit of an overbearing character. And people who show dogs often ask me, is anyone in the series based on a real person? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not. They're composites or they're characters that I've made up. But Aunt Peg was, was actually based on a real person who was a very good friend of mine named Helen Sulkup. And interestingly enough, years ago I said to her, you do know your Aunt Peg, right? And she, <laughs> she was kind of horrified, and then she laughed, and she said, oh, no, I'm not, and walked away. <laughs> but she's a wonderful muse for that character, and and some of her phrases pop out of Aunt Peg's mouth quite regularly. Without giving away the, the book, tell us what we're in for in Bite Club. Well, my main character, Melanie Travis, She's a special needs tutor at a private school, and she has summers off. And this book takes place during the summer, and she decides to form a book club and get some friends together, and they actually end up naming it Bite Club because they want to mostly read mysteries and the books with bite, and they think that's kind of a cute title. And this all seems wonderful until Aunt Peg gets involved. And when Aunt Peg gets involved, suddenly the size of the group grows exponentially, and there are a lot of people in there that Melanie doesn't really know, and she doesn't know why they're in her house with their books. And after the second book club meeting, one of the members is murdered. And that sort of sets her down the path of having to try and figure out how this person who had shown up in her book club, what in his past had come back to bite him, basically. Okay, okay. I hope you haven't told me too much. The book is. I hope so too. The hope. The book is called Bite Club. Lorian Berenson is the author. I have ten copies to give away right now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, as I always say, head on over to Amazon.com and order the book Bite Club. Lorian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. This has been fun. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. 
At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Many dog people would say their dog is their best friend. But for a growing number of people with various but specific physical, even neurological or mental health needs, a service dog is also an invaluable partner in their everyday life. There are dogs that are highly trained, you know, to see for people, to hear for people, to retrieve objects for people. But also quite common now are dogs that are called dads. That's for diabetic alert dogs. And those dogs provide independence and security by alerting someone to chemical changes in the person's blood sugar levels. Now, for people who have seizures, there are dogs who can tell when a seizure is about to happen. That would be what's called a seizure alert dog. Now, don't confuse that with a seizure response dog. A seizure response dog is a dog that is trained to provide help to a person who is experiencing an epileptic seizure, not to predict the seizure. Now, these dogs can be trained to bark for help or to press an alarm system during a person's seizure. They can also get a person out of an unsafe place during a seizure and help the handler to come around if they end up going unconscious. These dogs also bring medicine or even a phone to a person who is coming out of a seizure. It's pretty amazing how far we've come. The Humane Society of the United States Horrible 100 of 2015 list and report includes 100 puppy mills. And you know what? In all those 100 puppy mills, they're only located in 16 states. The Humane Society recommends not purchasing a puppy from a pet store or over the Internet because they commonly are sourced from puppy mills. And they remind us all that the only way for a potential buyer to know if they are purchasing from a humane and responsible breeder well, is to visit the breeder of the dog they want in person so they can see how and where that puppy was raised. But in alphabetical order, the 16 states that are on that list are Arkansas, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New York, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Texas, and Wisconsin. I'm Lori Brooks. You can get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. I believe we have Paul on the phone. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Just fine. How are you today? Good. How can we help you? Well, I uh, would like to speak to Dr. Debbie about uh, a allergy problem with my miniature schnauzer. Yeah, you didn't okay. recognize her today because she has this uh, ponytail <laughs> thing going on. A little pigtail <laughs> I sound <thing>. very young. <laughs> What's going on with your schnauzers? Well, I have two, and uh, they're three and a half years old. And one is fine. Uh, after two years of feeding the same feed, I, I feed lamb and rice, uh, pedigree lamb and rice. Okay. And uh, she developed a skin allergy. I've had her to the vet three times. I've spent a little over $1,000 at this point. Wow. <laughs> and uh, 
the vet uh, keeps giving me different medications. Now, there's one medication he gave me for her ears that work real well. Her ears actually, the allergy actually closes her ears up. And it, it works real well, but she still has problems with her skin. Okay, I, what does she have her, going on with the skin? What's it look like? It's red and inflamed. Uh, at one point, she lost all the hair on her stomach, and now it's all come back. Uh, I give her a bath every every week when I come in off the road. She, they, the kids stay home with Mama uh, while I'm on the road. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I give her a bath every week with the special oatmeal shampoo, and then it seems pretty good. Uh, it smells. It has an odor. Like uh, I even mentioned to the vet, I thought uh, it smelled like um, maybe a uh, yeast infection. Like old socks. <laughs> yeah, it does, and her, yeah. her fur gets out almost sticky. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, then... Uh, when I give her the bath, she seems a lot better. The next morning, it isn't as inflamed. And then by the time I get home the next week, we start all over again. Okay. So you're trying a bunch of different medical regimens. Has that included, um, you mentioned some antihistamines. Has that included any other type of anti-itch medicines, antibiotics, any other types of products? He seems to be really be uh, hooked on Benadryl. And I, I, I don't want her living on Benadryl the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Is there any problem with her taking Benadryl for an extended period of time? You know, there's really not as long as, you know, everything else is healthy. Um, and, and for some pets with mild allergies, there's absolutely nothing wrong with treating them with an antihistamine um, almost as a sole therapy. The problem becomes when we have a pet that their itch or their skin disease is, is bad enough, that that just doesn't do enough. So um, if that's a situation for your baby, then... I, I'm going to say, yeah, I would like to address some of the other things that may be present. And one big thing that you said is that smell, that kind of stinky smell where there's actually like a sticky feel to the skin. There's probably other things kind of tagging along with um, allergies at that point. So allergies kind of trigger this whole cascade of other things in the body, yeast infection, bacterial infections. Um, so there's other things that I would do. And I usually like, at my office, I like to get a little progressive about some of these things. I take skin scan skin samples, say that a lot of times, five times fast, and look under the microscope because we learn a lot when we look at the surface of the skin. And it may very well be that uh, we need to try an antibiotic round. Um, We may need to try oral yeast medicines to treat what is actually going on in that surface of the skin. Kind of like that, you know, that one commercial where those little green guys are dancing around and they're having a good time down in the people's lungs. That's the way I like to look at the skin is that there's other stuff dancing around there that we just can't focus on just the allergies alone uh, that being said <laughs> well I'm, I'm not dissing your vet because like i said benadryl is, is great in some situations but um and then the other thing we look at with allergies is that we can treat allergies symptomatically we can't cure them um but we can also take a step further and try to find out ways that we can avoid them um certain triggers or we can try to kind of change the immune system a bit to try to make it react differently to those allergens. So for some pets, allergy testing is a way to go, either doing that with a skin testing, um, usually through a dermatologist, um, or through a blood testing. So there's a lot of other things we can try in that realm if we really want to get to the nitty-gritty there. Okay. Um, now, medication you, you wise. spoke a lot about uh, food allergies. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, she's sure. had the same food all her life. She doesn't get any people food at all. 
the only time she gets treats is on the weekends when Daddy's home, and mm-hmm. uh, that's chicken. I stay completely away from beef because I have a pet skunk also. And oh. <laughs> uh, the skunk can't eat beef at all. Uh-huh. So... So, yeah, food allergies can play definitely a role with, you know, layering on top of uh, inhaling allergies or what we call the seasonal allergies. So not, nothing's wrong with lamb and rice. Um, it used to be a great allergy diet many, many years ago, but eventually pets can get sensitized to that. So um, it might be worthwhile to switch to a, an alternate protein, maybe something like a duck potato-based food or a venison-based food, and to go with that for a couple months and see if, you know, some of the skin signs, if there's any improvement, because it really can make a difference for a good proportion of, pe- of people, pets out there. I'm having trouble with the peas today. What is this here? <laughs> but I would definitely give that give that a whirl there, Paul. I mean, um, you know, okay, and if you're not happy with that what smart or I would work work through a veterinarian because um, we really want to go with um, a special hypoallergenic diet. So not that there's not good general foods out there, but if we're working for allergies, we want to get your pet on the right thing. Make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck, um, and, and your vet veterinarian can you direct you the best way there. Should my and wife not, uh, separate the two girls at feeding time and feed her the the special diet? I sure would. Yeah. One. Okay. Yeah, unless your other pet had the same problem, um, but I don't see a reason because in a lot of these cases, you know, we treat the food as a type of medication almost, so we don't really need to give it to the other dog. You know, we're not going to probably do that. I so, was yeah, so but... happy you people came on to XM. Oh, well, thank you very much. So uh, were we. Glad to be here. <laughs> you're very informative, and you're also very entertaining. Oh, well, good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dad. Thank I thank you very, very much. <laughs> Paul, we appreciate your call today, 1-866-405-8405. I think it's so fun to have brand new listeners. You know, if you're new, we'd love to hear from you. You don't have to call in just because your animal's sick or if there's something adverse going on in on in your life. <laughs> Stuttering Spit problem. it out, Hal. It's like, contagious, Hal. <laughs> it's just a celebration of our pets. Dogs or cats, horse or emu. Des Moines resident Clarence Fenton was recently charged with driving under the influence of drugs. His dog's drugs. He's still not exactly sure what happened. Authorities say the phenobarbital that was in his bloodstream when he crashed into a utility pole with his car had been prescribed by a vet. 47-year-old Fenton said he took what he thought were the doctor-prescribed antidepressants when police reports show his car hit the pole. His blood work showed that Fenton had actually taken seizure control pills prescribed for his dog, Saturn. Tammy Noble of the Poison Control Center said the story is more common than you'd think. She said they've had three cases this year. People often take their pet's heartworm medication. This would be a good time to remind you to read the labels of any medication you're taking. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. And I do believe we're taking some more calls here. Um, And Diane, is Diane on the phone? Yes. Hi, Dr. Debbie. Hi, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. Um, I'm having trouble with my German Shepherds. I have two. A female who just turned two in February and a male who is eight months old. Uh, we got the we got the second dog, the male, uh, because the first dog was began wandering, um, running away a couple times a week as far as she could possibly go, um, mm-hmm. and you know it 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 seems to have been, getting the male did not um, help. It actually made it worse. Now they're partners in crime and they run every chance they get. Um, oh, no. If we turn our back for one minute, they are gone. We have six acres of land. We've put up a physical fence. And they jump, they jump it, and we put a, that now we put electric fencing in okay. the physical fence, and they still jump it. Um, and we How don't know what to do. How high is the fence? How high? Yeah, the fence is four feet high. Oh well, now that's not a very uh, high fence for a German Shepherd. So, well, so that you know, that I could definitely. You're right. I, but my hope was once that they we put the fence up that that they see it and go, oh, okay. Well, we're just going to have to make do with these six acres. Okay. But that's not the so, case. <laughs> that didn't now, happen. With your electric fence, is this one of the invisible fences that are in the perimeter and that warn the dog? Yes. Or is it actually a shock fence? Um, it does both. It warns and then shocks. Okay. All righty. Well, the hard thing is here, and I, I guess the other thing I want to ask is, um, are your pets both spayed and neutered? Yes. Okay, good, because that definitely goes a long way for the average dog in de increasing the desire to roam. Now, the challenge is, is that um, you kind of hit upon it, that these two are hooligans, and they're having a blast. They're having like a Thelma and Louise time out, and um, the rewards of jumping that fence and going out and exploring are so huge, and it's really hard to make that an aversive event, even with shock fences. And I have had veterinary colleagues whose own dogs jump through fences that have that shock and it's just they expect it and um, it really isn't a deterrent Um, so we have to look at it in a different way Um, if you do have the ability to use the invisible fence um, in in a little bit closer perimeter that it can correct them before they get to the fence um, that might be helpful but in your situation that fence is really not a very um, high barrier for them and that really is just kind of like stepping over a a small wall for them so the tough thing is that I tell you is fence jumping is very hard to stop because it is a fun playful self-rewarding behavior so you're so really um, I I do advise if you can't get those physical barriers to change, uh, taller fences, um, or if the invisible fences don't work, then it really does become the best hope for the pets to have them as an indoor lifestyle. Oh, God, they would hate that, though. Yeah. Now, if you have um, one of the dogs outside, is there a difference? Uh, you know, yes. Do they look for their buddy and wait for yes. them? Yes. The, the female will not go without the male. And she was she was the one oh. who was doing it in the first place. That's the reason we got the male. The male will jump the fence, but he won't run away. He'll run around to the front door. He'll stay okay. on the property. Okay. So yeah. we have tried that, letting them out separately. But, you know, they're both puppies. They love to play. It breaks my heart. We can't afford to get another fence and put it up. I mean, it was thousands mm-hmm. of dollars to fence God, in, yeah. you know, yeah. a couple of acres of our land. Um, I'm, I'm hope- Is this something we can hope they'll grow out of? No, not really. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. What about- I'm, I'm like doom and gloom here today for you. But, so that's um, okay. because it's reality. 
Yeah, because this is a fun, rewarding experience. Um, I I would not, uh, I- unless we can make things in their yard more fun and more enjoyable, um, that behavior is very likely to continue. Um, and that's where um, truly, I don't want to say giving up and making them indoor dogs, but when they're not supervised, it's really the safest thing for them and the best way to prevent them from having that reward of jumping the fence and going to explore. Now, definitely I would want to make sure we keep their world interesting. So, you know, get them lots of exercise. Um, I don't know if you have horses, you know, go out on runs and have them go following a bike or while you're out horseback riding. If we can get them tired, get them mentally stimulated in their own surroundings, we might not have as much the chance of them wanting to leave and jump the fence. But, um, you know, there's there's no guarantee that we're going to be able to correct this behavior. So can I ask another question? Um, sure, this is about ahead. the same issue. Is there? Is it possible if I were to talk to my vet? I mean, I, I I feel I'm not a dog that they have a stimulating environment. They have two children to play with. They have lots of toys. They have lots of land. Um, mm-hmm. They have each other. Is this? Could this be a case of doggy ADD? Is there medication? That will keep yeah. them from wanting to wander. There, there can be dogs that have an anxiety component to um, jumping from a yard, but that's usually more of a fearful anxiety. It's not more like a I'm just bored and I just want to like have fun kind of thing. So I don't think that ang- or behavior medications are going to be very useful for you. You know, it really does fall more into the situations of a, a pet that is spooked, frightened, or feels like they need to get away in some way. And yes, in those situations, I will go to those types of things. But in your situation, you know, what's stimulating to us is, is different for a dog. You know, we don't really know. We don't understand what um, what goals they have. Um, digging in the yard may be great fun. Playing with the kids may be okay fun. So it's, you know, it's a, the mindset of the dog. And uh, I, I need to... When they get out, they chase deer and all kinds of wonderful things. Absolutely, and that is just so much fun for dogs. So, (laughs) so sorry Uh, to give you the bad news there, Diane. And uh, that's okay. okay. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. This is Dr. Debbie at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Critter Cops. There's a new way to find lost pets, and it's becoming very popular all over the USA. It's Critter Cops. You'll get huge media blasts of thousands of people about your lost pet. They also offer specialized services for stolen pets. Try the new way to find lost pets and increase your chances of a reunion. Visit CritterCops.net. And thanks, CritterCops, for underwriting Animal Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. General Motors has announced that the price for the upcoming 2020 Chevrolet Silverado HD, and it is actually cheaper than the outgoing 2019 model year truck that sold for $36,700. The entry-level 2020 Silverado HD work truck with a regular cab and long bed will start at $35,695, including destination fees. To find your new Silverado, go to ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, 
Al Abrams, and Judy Francis. Just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Jesse Tyler Ferguson. He's from Modern Family, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, TV show right now on ABC. He plays the attorney. Yeah, uh, Mitchell. 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 Pr- Mitchell Pritchett. Mitchell Pritchett. And uh, loves his animals, has a little uh, dog named Leaf, and, and possibly another dog named Fennel. We'll find out the details in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Uh, we're going to head to the phones. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. And it's a free download. Not only can you ask your questions, you can listen to old shows or new shows, uh, shows that haven't happened yet. I actually think you'll, you'll hear shows on it that wow. might be happening years from now. I don't know if it's that miraculous. Let me know. It's so a pretty miraculous. I can coordinate the scheduling of it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, though, you can ask your questions about your pets when we're not on the air. You know, it could be like Tuesday night, late Tuesday night. Your your dog gets into something. You want to know uh, exactly what to do, and you want to talk to Doctor Debbie. You can ask directly from the app. So download that puppy now. Uh, am I going to a news tease? What am I going to? Yes, you are. Lori Brooks, what are you working so hard on in the newsroom over there? Okay, insert a horse whinny here. <laughs> you ever wonder what that sound means? I think it's fascinating to wonder about what animals might be saying. And researchers have just studied horse whinnies. And uh, we'll tell you, there's a couple of different kinds of whinnies. And really? they mean totally different things. Yeah. Wow. I'll share with you in just a little bit. I learned so much on this show. I'm going to stick around for that. I can imagine Thank they have you. a happy Winnie and a angry Winnie. Sort of. You don't want to be on the receiving end of an angry Winnie. Let's take another call for Dr. Debbie. And we have Carolyn on the phone. Hi, Carolyn. Hi. Hi. How are you doing um, today? I'm fine. What's up? Um, I have a female shepherd mix. She's between 9 and 10. She's a rescue dog, but that's what the... Her veterinarian estimated her to be. We've had her since before she was a year old. Right before Christmas, she was diagnosed with diabetes, and we've got her on insulin. And this past week, she went blind. And we took her to a, a specialist, an eye specialist for animals, and he said that we can get cataract surgery to remove the cataracts and that she's got a 90% chance to regain her vision, which is what our prayer is, of course. And um, not that I'm second-guessing him, because I, I trust him, but um, I just kind of wanted to get a feel from from her to see if she's had an experience with this mm-hmm, um, sure. and other dogs. Is your dog doing well with the diabetes in other ways? Are we fairly well-regulated, or are they having any difficulties with her blood levels? We are in the process of getting her regulated, and we have to wait for the surgery to get that done. She is going Mm -hmm. this week for another glucose tolerance panel Mm -hmm. um, because he had adjusted it once two weeks ago, and this week we're going to do another one to see if she needs to be adjusted again, and I understand we have to get that regulated. Um, She's on seven units twice a day right now, which the eye specialist said that's kind of low. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, might be, and usually with insulin, if anything, we try to go slow to bring those levels, go to a higher dose. We hate to go too high and then have problems. It's much better to to start low and work your way up. But, yeah, I will totally agree that we want to try to get your pet somewhat regulated before we talk about surgery. Um, um, So it's to the best of our abilities. Um, But we know that even well-regulated diabetics can get these cataracts. And um, I will agree also that um, usually success is wonderful. 
well. And so about 90, 95% of dogs' vision will be restored. But there are some what-ifs. And one would be we'd want to have her in good health and, you know, the diabetes pretty well regulated first. Secondly is ophthalmologists will typically do a retinal check. Um, so they want to do a retinogram to make sure before we put her through the surgery that what we got going on back there, that we got a good retina. Um, so that would be something that can help give us a little peace of mind before we get into the surgery um, if we're going to expect to have good vision afterwards. Um, but after cataract surgery, there are some you know possibilities of problems. So um, down the road, I'd say probably 80% of dogs that have cataract surgery still have good vision and meaningful vision. Um, but we do see problems postoperatively with inflammation or what we call uveitis. Um, we can have some concerns for things like glaucoma. Um, so those are things to be aware of going into it, um, that um, no surgery is without any potential complication. But I'd say for the vast majority of dogs with uh, the sudden onset cataracts, um, surgery is wonderful. And if it is possible and within your means, I would certainly um, encourage you to, to go down that road. Yeah, it was just so scary because seeing your little baby, because my dogs are my children, Sure. And mm-hmm. I, you know, you you see her playing one day, and then the next day you see her bumping into stuff, and it's just so Aww. so scary, you know, to see her, and you're like, what's going on? Then she's got the clouded eyes and everything, and I'm just so thankful that she, you know, as soon as we can get this sugar regulated, that that we we are able to get her the surgery to restore her sight because, you know, I want her to be happy, and I don't want her to be thinking, why can't I see? Mm-hmm. And sure. You know, I don't know if dogs think that way, but I'm sure she's wondering what the heck is going on. Mm. And yeah. now that I know for... that she can get the surgery, it's like, you know, kind of giggle, like, oh, watch where you're going, honey. And, you know, say, Aww. oh, you're, we're going to have to get her a helmet and stuff. But, Aww. you know, and I feel bad for any dog that, that goes through this. And naturally, you know, I cried for three days. and But I'm happy now knowing that she can. And I just kind of wanted to get a feel. Yeah, definitely. You know, and some dogs can do perfectly fine as a blind dog. I, I would have to say that dogs that have a slower onset of cataracts tend to manage and adjust a little bit to their vision loss a little bit easier initially than those that lose it all of a sudden. So, you know, but, you know, even without surgery, there are dogs out there with cataracts that are diabetics and they can live very full, meaningful lives with accommodations. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that this uh, surgery does have such a, you know, a good outcome for vision, it, it is something I try to encourage folks to to look into if at all possible yeah it amazes me that, that she knows this house so well <laughs> that, ah, that knows or, or an end table or anything it's like whoa and it makes me wonder could i do that i don't think so so she just, I, I just say she's a wonderful little trooper yeah. uh but we'll I'm give her a pat on the head from us. We wish her the best and uh, best luck as you're uh, adjusting that uh, insulin level and, and dealing with that diabetes. So have a great one. Thank you for the call. Hello, Sherry. How are you? Good. How are you today? Well, I've got a nine-month-old Yorkshire Terrier who is in heat, and I have some questions. Okay. <laughs> well, go ahead. What do we got going on with that heat cycle? Okay, well, it seems like it's been lasting forever, but um, she went through the stage where the other dogs wanted to be around her, but I didn't notice anything, and then her vulva started to swell, and she started to bleed very little bit. The bleeding has stopped. Her vulva is still swollen. 
Um, my curiosity is, will that go back down? And oh, the other yeah. question, w- eventually will it? It will, yes, but there's okay. conditions to that. So go ahead. What's your other part of the okay. question? The other question was, I have a 20-pound little terrier mix that is male who locked up with her this morning. And she and he's fixed. <laughs> and <laughs> she... Um, she didn't know what to make of all of it, and we could didn't know what to do, so we put them in the bathtub. <laughs> wow! To get them apart. So that's a crude awakening or a rude awakening, I should say. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Let's talk about this baby's heat cycle. And so, how long has she actually been in heat? You said she bled for a couple days. Yeah, I would. My best guess is that she's probably been in heat a good sixteen or seventeen days. Okay. Well, the unpleasant news here, Sherry, is that dogs can be in heat for a long period of time. And we don't really get too worried up until about six weeks. Um, So this whole process of discharge and vaginal swelling, all of that kind of can span that time frame. And for some dogs, they may only have bleeding for as little as one day, but some dogs will bleed up to three weeks. And that vulvar swelling, the vaginal swelling that you're describing, that can last up until that six-week period of time after that first bleeding starts. So you got a long period of time. And there are some dogs that will have a little bit of residual swelling in the vaginal area afterwards. But um, it, it's very interesting to me that you said that you have a male that is neutered and they actually tied because usually that's a, a pretty much a hormone driven thing on his part for that process and that physical connection that where they actually got stuck together. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. And they weren't moving. They were just staring at us like, what do we do next? Oh my goodness. He, he must be an oversexed little fella if he's already had his little little bazonkers taken away from him and he's still doing the deed. And he's been well, after I, her for four or five days and we just, you know, kept shooing him and kept shooing him. Well, this morning we didn't get to him fast enough, so. Yeah, well, and has he been recently neutered or is that something he's been, oh, no, that's he's been seven, done for? Or he's eight. Oh. Yeah, he's, no, it's been a long time. Okay. Well, very good. Now, and of course, I'm going to have to put my little advertisement in for your little girl is to get this gal spayed. Um, oh, because I know, but I want puppies. I know. I'm not listening. I'm not listening to that because I'm going to talk about her health benefits. And then there's a ton of Yorkie puppies, and I'll tell you that at my shelter, it breaks my heart. I can guarantee you if I walk through today at our local shelters here in Las Vegas, I can find many purebred Yorkies sitting in the midst of those cages waiting for a home. So any pets that you add to the the pet population are going to displace those, and those are going to be euthanized because someone's going to want a puppy before they're going to want to take on a, a pet that needs a home that's already on this earth. So I would have to put my advertisement in for that, but also for her health and, and her well-being just to help prevent mammary cancers and a lot of these reproductive complications. So sorry, Sherry, I just had to put that in there, and I know Hal's behind me on this one. Well, yeah, but I didn't want to open my mouth at all on this because you're doing so well just t- telling it like <laughs> it is. I appreciate your call, Sherry. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Kensington Books. When homicide hits her suburban Connecticut hometown, Melanie Travis and her pedigree poodles are back on the case in Bite Club. Cozy up with your furry friend and see if you can figure out who the real killer is. Bite Club by Lorian Berenson is available everywhere books are sold. And you can learn more at kensingtoncozies.com. Thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
You'll roll over with joy for Bike Club, the new Melanie Travis canine mystery by award-winning author Lorian Berenson, amateur sleuth and proud parent of prize-winning poodles. Melanie Travis has a new book club catering to fans of crime fiction. That means when homicide hits her suburban town, this time she has a whole pack of mystery-solving pals to help her collar the killer. Dog lovers won't want to miss this light-hearted, playful caper. Bike Club is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at kensingtoncozies.com. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio, and I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet, and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully, every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. If you're thinking of adopting a pet this summer, this is the summer, I'm saying. And you happen to live along Route 66. Yes, we're doing it once again. The annual Get Your Licks on Route 66 adoption tour, along with Fido Friendly magazine. Actually, Animal Radio is along with Fido Friendly. They're leading the charge to adopt many more animals than they did last year along Route 66. And uh, we're going to be stopping by your city, hopefully. And we'll have a list over at AnimalRadio.com. It's always fun. We should go on that. I know. Why do we, we to have to stay there. in the stay studio? Stay back here in the studio, yeah. Susan gets to I volunteer. It. I'd love to be the one who collects the most dog kisses. Oh, I was going to say, did you volunteer to stay here in the studio? I, no, no. Oh, you just said you volunteered. We said we, we don't want to have to no. be here. You said you volunteered. I've got it on tape. Let's go, Hal. Is someone taping <laughs> this? Is this on tape? Oh, I don't know. Because if this is on tape, we got to find out who has that and, and make sure it's destroyed immediately. Miss <laughs> Lori Brooks, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, um, there's this thing that you find in households, and it kills tens of thousands of animals and even some people every year. And um, they've just discovered a new ingredient that will make it really different and not at all harmful. In fact, you could eat it now and nothing would happen. And we'll tell you what that that horrible poison is coming up. I think I know. But I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Thank you. Hi, Liz. Hi. You wanted to talk to Dr. Debbie? Sure. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Why not? Maybe not. She's there. What the heck? (laughs) Well, hi. What can I do for you? Well, I have a German Shepherd who has um, a degenerative myopathy, and okay. people keep telling me when it's time for her to be put to sleep, she's going to let me know, because she's still acting like a puppy, she's still acting like she's the boss, she's eating, she just falls a lot, mm-hmm. um, like she'll fall down my steps. She falls down your steps? Oh, well, dear. We have a bi-level, so we have no steps. I mean, we have no way to get in and out of the house besides going up and down the steps. I mean, okay. she's going like, to fall. She just sort of this Bambi thing down the steps. Okay. Where her back feet kind of kind of collapse under her. She's not falling yeah. down and tumbling down large amounts of stairs. That's what I was concerned about. Oh, uh, no. No. Okay. No, we right. have it worked out. We have a rug at the bottom of the steps to catch her so that she doesn't do the Bambi thing when she gets to the bottom of the steps. We have a rug by her food dish so she doesn't, you know, she doesn't slide. But my dilemma is when should I put her to sleep? 
Yeah. And I guess the biggest problem with degenerative myelopathy, which basically this condition is a progressive deterioration of the coding, coding along the spinal cord. So when that happens, dogs lose their function to their back legs. They can get wobbly, kind of crossing over with the back feet. They'll even scuffle their back feet and wear their toenails down. So that progresses to the point where they lose more and more control with the back legs. That eventually can progress up to the front legs as well. Um, but for most pets, the disability with the back legs is really where that is um, the biggest problem and when we first diagnose that. The good thing is that it's not painful, um, other than the secondary things that they do to themselves, um, dragging the top surfaces of the feet, um, getting pressure sores, um, things like that that we have to deal with. Um, so that tends to be the biggest part of um, kind of managing these babies. Now, I will tell you that um, one great thing in managing dogs with degenerative myelopathy is the benefit of physical therapy. Now, there is no cure for this condition, but we know that physical therapy can help give us more meaningful time, and it keeps them more ambulatory, keeps them moving on those limbs in a meaningful way for a longer period of time. And there are some studies that have looked at this, and dogs in intense physical therapy can survive periods of time over 255 days of good quality time. Some with no therapy can be as short as 55 days. So that's kind of the scope of the time frame we'd be looking at. And if physical therapy is something you can work with your local veterinarians or specialty groups, that might be something to do. Um, but your question, basically, how do you know? And, and will she tell you? Gosh, I have... In all my years, I don't feel that with this condition, the dogs really tell us, meaning that they accept that they're at that point. Um, they're not in right. a lot of pain. Right, and she seems to be a little, a little depressed, but not enough that she still isn't bossing. I have two other dogs. She's still bossing them around, and you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and, and that's the, the thing. It is a disability, so it becomes more when we can't get up to do the bathroom needs, when we have secondary infections or pressure sores or things that are complicating their life. So, no, I don't feel that she's going to tell you when it's time. This is different than hip dysplasia. Hip dysplasia, the pets are in a lot of discomfort. They have kind of similar signs, but they're in a lot of pain. So um, she's not going to be in that category. So as her caretaker, you're going to need to watch out for that. When her quality of life, getting around is limited, or when she is at a point where she may jeopardize her own safety, falling downstairs, um, you know, getting into situations she cannot get out of, um, that is where that the quality of life really becomes down. So, yes. um, you know, and also use your veterinary resource as well. Um, you know, having that professional that you can consult with. Um, and I can tell you, we do this all the time, talking about, you know, is it time? Um, someone who knows your pet's physical status at that moment can also help you greatly with this decision. Okay. Hope that helps. I appreciate your call today. Let us know how it goes. 1-866-405-8405. Sure, we'll take your calls. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Joyce Hewitt on Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Thank you.
Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. To see the last Chevy Cruze built in Ohio, you'll have to go to a Chrysler dealership. John Kufleter, owner of the Columbia Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, recently purchased the car from Mary Pippineau, who won the car at a charity auction. Kufleter was hoping that one of the local Chevy dealers would buy the car, which rolled off the Lordstown assembly line on March 6th. He saw none of them did and reached out to Pippineau to purchase the car. To find your new car, go to OurAutoExpert.com. Our Auto Expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Swiss researchers in Zurich have analyzed the structure of about 20 different horse whinnies, you know, (laughs) that noise. Uh, Throughout the testing period, the researchers recorded vocalizations the study horses made, and then they analyzed the acoustical properties of each. When I read this, I thought, wow, that's kind of like whale noises, whale sounds. Well, this data on the horses revealed that Horse vocalizations, unlike those of most mammals, have two frequencies. Another surprise, though, came when the researchers compared the vocalizations, the whinnies, that the horses made during positive and negative situations. They say shorter and lower frequency whinnies are positive, while negative whinnies, which happen during stressful, more not-so-great times, they start at a much higher pitch in frequency and are also longer. Uh, Much more remains to be learned, though, from analysis of equine vocalizations. The next step, they say, for us to find out if other horses can extract the emotional information and differentiate themselves between negative and positive whinnies. It would be interesting to find. I've had horses, so I thought that was fascinating. And every year, about 90,000 pets and wild animals and about 5,000 humans, too, as a matter of fact, are poisoned by antifreeze because ethylene glycol, the main ingredient in antifreeze and de-icing chemicals, is broken down in the body into toxic compounds. But there's been a new discovery that is so great in so many ways. They've discovered a new antifreeze ingredient that actually works better than the old stuff, and this is non-toxic. The new ingredient is propylene glycol. It's actually a food additive, which they say is generally recognized as safe by the USDA, and it cools car engines 60% better than the old stuff, and it's not going to kill pets. It's not unusual for workers in Taiwan to take their pets to work. In fact, an amazing 42% of 900 people who responded to an online questionnaire said their bosses allowed them to take their pets to work. We found this story in the Taipei Times. However, some respondents to that survey said they are required if they take their pet to work to keep the animal crated or caged while they're on the job. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. I'm all on Twitter. We are just moments away from Jesse Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. You know Mitchell. What an actor. 
up for an Emmy, I believe. If he hasn't won one, he should. And he should. I'm going to call over and make sure that happens later. Get right on that, Hal. He loves his animals. He has uh, a little dog named Leaf. I mean, he may actually have a couple of dogs. Yeah, I think he got a new dog. His his other dog was Leaf, but I think he got a new dog, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. it looks like fennel. fennel? Have to what does named fennel? Mean? Fennel is a uh, it's an herb. That's it's like I licorice. That's it's like licorice. I, yeah, yeah it's but a root. I thought maybe yeah. there's maybe it has a different meaning or something. Or it could be just fennel. Maybe yeah. he, take take in mind his first dog is named Leaf. Yeah, so well, maybe just... maybe fennel smells like licorice. <laughs> maybe he's got licorice breath or something. Well, we'll find out with Jesse Tyler Ferguson in just a couple of minutes. Hey, Paula, welcome to the show. Hi. What's going on with you? My dog, he, he's, he's pit bull mixed with uh, lab, I guess. But anyway, he has an ear infection, they told me. So I was trying to see if there's any kind of home remedies I can use for him or instead of spending a lot of money, oh, what could I do? <laughs> A lot of when we talk about what we can do for ear infections, there's not a kind of one-size-fits-all therapy because a lot of different factors can influence one pet's ear infection versus another. When you say Labrador Retriever mix, I'm like, whoa, allergies are a biggie, and so are yeast infection in these guys. So there's ways to try to treat these as appropriately as we can and for me that usually involves i like to take a a a swab and i take a sample of the garbage that's inside those ear canals and look under the microscope because that really gives us some good direction at knowing what kind of medicine are we going to need to fight this if you're looking for just a wash or a cleaner that's going to take care of this i'll probably tell you i can't tell you there is one because in many cases if we've got an actual established ear infection there's other things going on Um, there may be allergies there may be inflammation in that ear canal we may need some anti-inflammatories antibiotics yeast medicine so it really kind of depends on what we see physically in the ear as well as what we see on that cytology and sometimes just even getting a good cleanser and if we're talking about things like yeast and bacteria in many cases we'll look for something that has an acidifying effect Um, so a lot of the pet products now have acetic acid boric acid and other agents that help to loosen up the wax and the gunk in the ear so that you can effectively clean things um, even at home on some level Um, so it may be a little tough to say, you know, for your pet's individual case, what I can tell you to do. But um, if you don't already have some medication in hand, I would say, you know, we need to get, definitely get down that road. We need to do what now? Get some medication going for this baby of some form. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 Alan Cable with another dog tip. Did you know that 80% of the dog breeds in the world didn't even exist 100 years ago? People breeding dogs for speed, trying to enhance their incredible sense of smell, protection, jumping ability, hunting, and beauty. That's why you should put a lot of thought into it before you get a dog. Is he going to live in a small apartment with you away for long periods of time? Do you have a big backyard and a family? Kids? Do you want a mellow dog or an excited dog that's bred for work and is more hyper, likes to play a lot, needs more exercise? Are you considering a rescue dog and what should you think about before you delve into it what do you think the number one obstacle is for most people when they're dealing with rescue dogs or any other for that matter in my experience it's guilt you feel sorry for the dog because he had a bad life and you want to give him a great life feeling guilty or sorry for your dog can cause a lot of trouble so can treating a dog like a son or a daughter as difficult as it is to accept dogs just aren't people they don't cope the way you and i do or experience the same emotions so when we try to project our human emotions onto our dogs it can cause a lot of trouble a lot of confusion 
confusion, uncertainty, anxiety, and fear in a dog's mind. Some people refuse to accept this. And this, at the least, can create a very fearful, unsure, insecure, anxious dog, and at the most, an aggressive one, who can become very dangerous to you, your family, other people, and other dogs. I believe 99% of dogs can be helped. It's all up to you, their owners, to understand and accept that dog behavior is not like human behavior. That dogs don't think and react the way we do. They don't have human emotions. All dogs need strong human leaders. And they need boundaries and rules. Structure. Someone who's calm and in control. That's when a dog can relax. If the owner of an insecure or anxious, fearful dog can change, the dog will change too. So before you get a dog, or even now while you have one, Learn about dog behavior. Study it. Remember, you have to satisfy your dog's needs and not use your dog to satisfy yours. Get more tips at AnimalRadio.com. Nancy. Hey, Nancy. How are you? I'm just fine, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Uh, San Luis Obispo. On listening on KVEC? Yes. That station is so awesome. <laughs> what uh, What's going on today? Well, I called because my husband took my little dog for a walk, and she had a very bad episode of loose stools that looked like it had a little bloody mucus in it. Mm, and okay. I know she's had a little loose stools every once in a while, but I got really concerned and my husband was really freaking out. But today she's had nothing but normal stools and she's eating and she's acting okay. okay. So I'm thinking it was something she ate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Certainly suspect. And she's how old? She's a baby? Eight and a half months. Eight and a half months. How uh-huh. adorable. Wait, three and a half pounds. <laughs> oh, how precious. Now, so yes, occasionally dogs will have some blood in the stool. It's usually a function of inflammation or lower bowel irritation. So some dogs can eat something that doesn't agree with them. And if they have diarrhea, there can be a straining associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so not much is coming out, but they're still pushing. And and we may see some rectal bleeding with that. Um, the way that would be identified is we see fresh blood in the stool. Um, so it wouldn't be kind of black or tarry. It, it truly has its red characteristics to it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's usually associated with diarrhea or unusual stools. Mm -hmm. So there are dogs that can have occasionally some blood in the stool with normal bowel movements, but it's a little bit less common. So in a young dog of her age, I would say it certainly could be something she ate. And I would retrace in my memory uh, what she had eaten for the last 48 to 72 hours before then. Because a lot of times I do find sometimes treat foods are suspect. Um, as much as they love them and they can tolerate them well, um, some dogs say with rawhide chews or edible chews can have a little bit of off stools um, the day or so following eating a kind of an edible treat. Um, and then that leaves also eating those things that they're not supposed to, things in the yard, in the backyard. But in a puppy, I would also make sure that you do have her stool checked um, just to make sure she doesn't have any kind of worms. Um, some different types like whipworms in particular, even tapeworms, we can see some some lower bowel issues there. Mm-hmm. Um, the mucus that you're describing, when I hear people describe that, that, um, just so everyone knows, mucus is produced by the colon as a protective mechanism. So if you're seeing a little bit of slimy stuff, or even sometimes dogs will get a sheath of mucus that kind of covers the stool, it's the body trying to protect them as that's moving through because there's irritation. So Mm -hmm. as long as that's gone and it was only yesterday, you're not seeing that further, then it's unlikely it's a major problem. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Want to fly somewhere? Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Then call. That's right. Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. Low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals. Fly domestically and save up to 75%. You can even fly internationally and save even more. Yes, fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. So don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. Call right now for prices so low they can't be published. Travel experts are here 24-7 to help. 800-311-2199. 800-311-2199. That's 800-311-2199. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Head back to your phones, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405 in just a couple of seconds. But now I am all at Twitter. We all know the best show on television now. Modern, Modern Family. family. By far, it's the best. Yeah. And uh, we have Jesse Tyler Ferguson joining us, who's not only you know on TV, he's kind of like an uptight attorney. Mitchell, he plays Mitchell. But uh, in real life, he's a pet parent and a pet lover. Welcome to the show, Jesse. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, now tell us about the animals you have at home. You have uh, Jesse, right? No, that's his name. Helen. No, that's I my mean, name. I mean, Leaf. I'm sorry, Leaf. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a dog named Jesse. Just, you, uh, you, that would be a little weird. I have a dog. Yeah, I have a, that would be a little, yeah, egocentric. Um, <laughs> I have a dog named Leaf and a dog named, a new dog named Fennel that I just adopted. Okay, why Fennel? That's my curious question. Why uh, Fennel? That's a great question. Yes. Um, Justin, my husband, was uh, throwing out names, and they were uh, all kind of food-based. There was ramekin, there was cilantro, there was parsnip, paprika, and I just I, I wasn't loving any of them. So I uh, I offered up fennel, and that's the one that that stuck. I like it. I thought maybe you had licorice. That's a pretty breath. cute name. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. guys are foodies and dog foodies, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the, the Purina One and Pet Finder uh, for the Purina One Difference campaign, uh, which is a great way to celebrate people who are making a positive difference in the life of dogs. And that's how we, uh, that's how Fennel came to us through uh, the help of Purina One and Pet Finder. Are you looking for people that are making big differences or is there, what, what's going on with that? Well, no, it just sort of celebrates people who are, you know, making a difference in dogs' lives, either through um, promoting adoption or, you know, making the dogs that they already have, you know, really improving their, their lifestyle. Uh, the thing I'm really trying to focus on is the Purina One 28-Day Challenge, uh, which you can sign up for at purinaone.com slash make one difference. And the great thing about signing up for that right now is um, when you when you do sign up for it, they donate $10 to uh, the Pet Finder Foundation. So that's a, a great thing and a great way to give back. Uh, and then also put your dog on a really healthy um, diet for a little while. Very cool. We were just discussing uh, a few minutes ago about how some of us allow our animals in bed. Like I allow my cats in bed, and it drives me, <laughs> drives my wife crazy. Do you allow Are the they dog supposed to sleep somewhere else? Yeah, <laughs> uh, they have, yeah our dogs have their own beds, uh, but you know, of course, every once in a while for special occasions, uh, we all. We all pile in bed together. How can you not? It's too cute. Exactly. And our, our, our dogs are smaller, so you know it's it's not 
a huge burden having, you know, it's not like we were with the Great Danes. What do you do to spoil them? Do you let them eat off the table? No, they're not allowed to eat off the table. <laughs> they, you know, we, we give them treats and, you know, long walks and, uh, they, they love toys. Our, both of our dogs play fetch, uh, really well. So, you know, they, they, uh, they can do that for hours. Are we going to see any dogs on Modern Family? We have a dog on Modern Family uh, that Jane Gloria has, little Stella. Right. Uh, she's a professional, you know, Hollywood dog. A little Frenchie. She's very professional. Um, uh, our camera Mitch have a cat, um, Snowball. I think it's the, the cat's real name, but I don't know the, uh, the characters. I don't know if I have, have we ever named it. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, I haven't seen Snowball in a while, actually. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you allowed to take your animals down to the set? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've brought him onto the lot before, uh, Leaf. I haven't brought Fennel on yet. Uh, he's still a little too young, but there are times when I, uh, uh, you know, when I, I need, I'm a single parent on, on certain days when Justin's working, so I'll bring him on the, on the set with me. How fun is that? I'm glad we get to take our animals to work here. Jesse, I love your tie the knot program. I think that's oh, so cool. You. I think it would be a great idea if you would put maybe a bow tie on Leaf. Or in Fennel, yeah. and, and then send the pictures to the Mr. Mo Project on Facebook. What, what really is this? What is the Tie the Knot program? Oh, I, it's, a, it's a line of bow ties that I have, uh, and all the proceeds go to um, LGBT uh, uh, outreach and equality. Wow. Oh, wow. That is so cool. You are yeah. really multitasking there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great idea. Thank you. Well, yeah, I think they would really appreciate it, and they would love to see your dogs. Ah, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. All right. Take care, guys. Thank take you. care. Bye now. Bye-bye. What's, uh, what's, so what's the program that you were talking about? That he should the Mr. Mo Project yeah. is a program that they sell uh, bow ties for senior dogs, or they just take pictures. It's something about bow ties, and it's usually senior pit bulls, but they, it's a, a huge program. Look it up on Facebook. I will. Yeah, I never heard of it. Yeah. I hadn't heard they of it. They do some, some really cute stuff. They've got tons and tons of followers. But, you're, you're so much um, more hip than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a freaking animal diehard, especially dogs. <laughs> Sorry. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Bed bugs are back, and just talking about them makes me all itchy. But relief is on the way. She's a nine-pound dog named Nudie, a near-hairless Chinese crested mix who's one of the dogs trained to detect the biting critters. Bed bugs were gone from the U.S. for so long, most thought they were just a myth. But now exterminators say that in the last year, they've been getting 50 times the number of bed bug calls they used to get. Dogs have been used to sniff out termites, but now Perriero says the bedbug training is like hitting the lotto. Nudie was found in a shelter, and she loves to find bedbugs. Her owner-trainer just says, find your bees, I guess short for bedbugs, and Nudie jumps on the mattress and starts pawing where they are. I feel much better now. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Well, Judy, I want to thank you. That was uh, quite a show today. That was a very big shoe. Thank you, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Have yourself a great week. Well, thank you for joining All right, us. You guys. Bye. Bye, guys. This is Animal Radio.
Network. Network.